Hello, and welcome to Words on Film, the spoken word show dedicated to moving pictures. I'm Dan Burke, your host and movie critic, and you're listening to Words on Film on WBCALP Boston. I will be reviewing some of the newest movies out right now. For this show, rather than doing my usual movie reviews, I am going to actually run down the um, nominees for um, the Oscars this year. They were announced on February 8th, 2022, and this is for the 94th Annual Academy Awards, which will be held this year on March 27th. 2022. I'm going to try not to get into who I think is going to win. I'm going to save that for my podcast that I'm going to record on March 26th, but I am looking very much forward to that show. And then after that, I'm going to go through the Razzie nominations, which were also announced recently. So it's going to be a good time. Please stay with me because I've got a lot of opinions about what has been nominated and also what should have been nominated. So what's interesting is that this year for best picture, there are actually 10 nominees and that's the maximum. And this is the first time that the Oscars has has had 10 best picture nominations since 2010. And many of them deserved the nomination and some of them didn't. So let me just run down in alphabetical order what movies were nominated for Best Picture? And I will give you my opinion, as this is the point of the show, um, right after I tell you what the nominees are. So, right from the top, the nominees for Best Picture are Belfast, Coda, Don't Look Up, Drive My Car, Dune, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, and West Side Story. So of these movies that were nominated for Best Picture, I've only, I've seen six out of ten of them. The only ones I haven't seen so far are The Power of the Dog, Nightmare Alley, King Richard, and Coda. I heard about them, oh yeah, there's another one too, Drive My Car. I haven't seen that one either. But those are definitely on my list. And I can't exactly say which ones I object to to having been nominated for Best Picture. I knew Belfast was going to be nominated. That's probably my favorite going into this. I did not expect Dune to be nominated for Best Picture, but I'm very glad it did. Licorice Pizza, I kind of knew would be nominated, and I'm glad to see it there. And West Side Story was also, I think, as good as the original West Side Story. So it's great to see that get nominated for Best Picture as well. Interestingly enough, the original West Side Story from 1961 was 60 years ago, nominated for 11 Academy Awards and won 10. This West Side Story from last year was nominated for seven Academy Awards. So, and only uh, one for acting as opposed to the 1961 version, which was nominated for two for acting and won those two as well. But I'll get into the acting categories in a moment. The only movie that I have seen that I absolutely do not think should have been nominated for Best Picture also happened to be the movie that I considered the worst of 2021. This is the very first time this has happened. The movie is Don't Look Up. And it's produced by Adam McKay and Kevin Messick and directed and written by Adam McKay. 
I am quite surprised to see Don't Look Up nominated for Best Picture, and I do think this is the least deserving Best Picture nominee since The Blind Side, also back in 2010. So Don't Look Up, I consider the worst picture of the year, not because it was the most flawed necessarily, but to me it was the one that had the most potential to be a great film and fell drastically short of that. I thought that the metaphor of the asteroid falling to Earth and people not caring about it, of course, it's supposed to be a metaphor for climate change, but climate change is a lot more complicated than a meteorite falling to Earth and potentially killing us all. Plus, it also gave you the idea that if Americans don't do anything about a meteorite falling to earth, then we're all doomed as if other countries just didn't care or didn't have the capacity either. Those are just a few of the problems I had with don't look up. I don't necessarily think it was a poorly acted film. And I, and I do actually agree with his message of climate change should be something more people should believe is true and also should be doing more to combat climate change. And I get that, but again, too many broad strokes. And I don't believe that don't look up will win best picture. I'm just going to come right out and say that what's going to be deserving of best picture. I don't exactly know because of the five movies that I've seen for best picture, uh, Belfast, don't look up Dune, Licorice Pizza and West Side Story, they're all great films. Will one of those win? I don't exactly know. But in the next month, I am going to see The Power of the Dog, Nightmare Alley, King Richard, Coda, and Drive My Car eventually. But those are the nominees for Best Picture. Now let's get into the acting categories. So starting with Best Actor in a Leading Role, the nominees are... Javier Bardem for Being the Ricardos, Benedict Cumberpatch, The Power of the Dog, Andrew Garfield for Tick, Tick, Boom, Will Smith for King Richard, and Denzel Washington for The Tragedy of Macbeth. Of these nominees of the movies that I've seen, I probably wouldn't have picked Javier Bardem for Being the Ricardos. I don't necessarily think he was bad in that role. I just don't think... It was a role that was best suited for Javier Bardem. I don't think he has a lot in common with Desi Arnaz, the person whom he is portraying in that film. Who would I have nominated in Javier Bardem's place? Probably uh, Michael Keaton in the movie Worth. And Worth was my what I thought was the best picture of 2021. And I'm very surprised not only to see to not see Worth be nominated for Best Picture or Best Actor, but Worth was nominated for absolutely nothing. No Golden Globes, no BAFTAs, no Critics' Choice Awards, nothing. And I'm very, very puzzled as to why that was. I said before that I thought that was Michael Keaton's best performance of his career, and I'm sticking to it. I just do not know why all the other... award contenders, the other award ceremonies that award movies overlooked worth, and I really think that's too bad. However, I'm very happy to see 
Andrew Garfield be nominated for Tick, Tick, Boom. In fact, Tick, Tick, Boom is another film that I thought was one of the best of last year, uh, 2021. And I'm also a little surprised that West Side Story is the only musical to be nominated for Best Picture. But then again, I, I probably would have replaced Don't Look Up with any other film out there, uh, especially either Worth or one of the musicals that wasn't nominated. But it's great to see Andrew Garfield be nominated for Tick, Tick, Boom because I do think that is his best performance. And Denzel Washington, I don't necessarily know if he's going to win for the tragedy of Macbeth, but he was great as King Macbeth in that film, so it is great to see him nominated. Also of note is that Denzel Washington and Will Smith are nominated for Best Actor in a Leading Role, and they also happen to be nominated for Best Actor in a Leading Role literally 20 years ago for the best films of 2001. Denzel Washington was uh, nominated for Training Day, and Will Smith was nominated for Ali, and that was the very first time in Academy Awards history that two black actors were nominated for Best Actor in a Leading Role at the same time. It wasn't the first time that that two um, um, black actors were nominated for a leading role. Uh, Specifically, in 1973, Diana Ross and Cecily Tyson were nominated for Best Actress in a Leading Role for Lady Sings the Blues and Sounder, respectively. But... It is really neat to see Will Smith and Denzel Washington nominated for the same category in the same year. Will either of them win? I can't exactly make that prediction. That's going to be for another show. But once I see The Power of the Dog and King Richard, I will be able to make uh, that claim. So on to Best Actress in the Leading Role. The nominees are Jessica Chastain for The Eyes of Tammy Faye, Olivia Coleman for The Lost Daughter, Penelope Cruz for Parallel Mothers, Nicole Kidman for Being the Ricardos, and Kristen Stewart for Spencer. So of the movies in this category, I have not seen The Lost Daughter and I have not seen Parallel Mothers yet, but I will. Those will be on my list. I have, however, seen the other three films, The Eyes of Tammy Faye, Being the Ricardos, and Spencer, And my favorite of the three of them is probably Jessica Chastain for The Eyes of Tammy Faye because she disappeared into the role of Tammy Faye Baker, who later became Tammy Faye Messner. And she was practically unrecognizable, especially when compared to some of her other uh, great acting roles, such as Zero Dark Thirty, for example. But then again, Kristen Stewart also did a much better than expected job playing Princess Diana in the movie Spencer. So Jessica Chastain is probably my favorite, but again, I haven't seen The Lost Daughter or Parallel Mothers, so I can't exactly say who's going to win, but rest assured that will be on a later show.
Welcome back to Words on Film, the spoken word show dedicated to moving pictures. I am your host and movie critic, Dan Burke. Continuing with my running down of the Oscar nominees that were announced on February 8th, 2022. Sorry, I just uh, had a little bit of a brain fart there. So the next category I'm going to cover is Best Actor in a Supporting Role. And the nominees are Sierran Hines for Belfast, Troy Kotzer for Coda, Jesse Plemons for The Power of the Dog, J.K. Simmons with Being the Ricardos, and Cody Smith-McPhee for The Power of the Dog. And this is the first time that Best Actor in a Supporting Role for several years has had two supporting actors be nominated for the same movie, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. But um, of the movies that have the uh, best actor in a supporting role of the movies that I've seen are being the Ricardos and Belfast. I did think JK Simmons was good in being the Ricardos. I don't know if he was necessarily good enough to be nominated, but then again, I can't exactly pick anyone else off the top of my head who I think should have been nominated for best actor in a supporting role. But Sierra Hines was great in his role as the uh, child's grandfather in Belfast. So for now, he's who I'm rooting for the most. But then again, I haven't seen The Power of the Dog. I do know that Jesse Plemons and Cody Smith-McPhee are very good actors. This is the first nomination for the both of them. And uh, Troy Kotzer, I have not seen in Cody yet, so I can't exactly tell you who deserves to win. But again, that will be in a later show. So now on to the nomination for Best Actress in a Supporting Role. The nominees are Jesse Buckley for The Lost Daughter, Ariana DeBose for West Side Story, Judy Dench for Belfast, Kirsten Dunst for The Power of the Dog, and I really hope I'm pronouncing this correctly, forgive me if I'm not, uh, Anjanu Ellis for... King Richard. Actually, I did pretty well with that first name. But again, this is another um, instance where I've not seen The Lost Daughter, The Power of the Dog, or King Richard. I do know that Kirsten Dunst is a fine actress. She has been for the last 30-plus years, and I'm very um, eager to see The Power of the Dog, and I will. Judy Dench, I didn't exactly think was stellar in Belfast, but she is very much like Meryl Streep, one of the favorites to be nominated for a category. She's been nominated. This is her eighth nomination and she's won one Academy Award, but I don't think she is likely to win another one. And Ariana DeBose, I loved in West Side Story. She was playing the same role that Rita Moreno played in the original West Side Story. And so she has a very, very tough act to follow, but I thought she did an amazing job. Not only could she sing very well and dance incredibly, but she also had some very poignant moments as an actress acting in that film as well. And I would have liked to have also maybe seen Rita Moreno be nominated in this category. But then again, considering she was nominated for the original one and she won for that one, it was kind of a long shot on her end. I'm just glad she got some Oscar recognition previously. 
Now on to the category of Best Animated Feature Film. We're jumping around a little bit. So, the nominees for Best Animated Feature Film, and there are very few disappointments here, by the way, are Encanto, which is the Disney film, Flea, which is a film that is just going around to various independent cinemas, Luca, which is a Disney Pixar film that was released exclusively on Disney+, The Mitchells vs. the Machines, which is a Netflix original, and the last film, which is a Disney film, is Raya and the Last Dragon. So of these five nominees for Best Animated Feature Film, I have not seen two of them. I have not seen Flea, and I haven't seen Raya and the Last Dragon. I do think, based on what I've heard, that Encanto is the favorite to win this one. Luca, I liked to a certain extent, but I don't think it was Disney Pixar's best film, or and I don't think it's their strongest contender amongst the five nominees here. I do, however, think Flea, which is also not just an animated feature, but it's also a documentary, and was actually nominated for Best Documentary, and I'll get to that subject a little bit later, it could be the dark horse candidate in this category. But I do think that Encanto has the best chance of winning. Then again, I have not seen Ryan the Last Dragon or Flea, so I can't exactly make that solid prediction for you right now. But in a later show, I will go down if I pick the winners. So now on to the Best Director category. The nominees for Best Director are Kenneth Branagh for Belfast, Raisuke Hamaguchi for Drive My Car, Licorice Pizza, uh, excuse me, Paul Thomas Anderson for Licorice Pizza, Jane Campion for The Power of the Dog, and Steven Spielberg for West Side Story. So in this category, I think that based on having seen these films, Kenneth Branagh, Paul Thomas Anderson, and Steven Spielberg are no surprise, and for that matter, they deserve to be nominated. As for uh, Ryosuke Hamaguchi and Jane Campion, I can't exactly say whether or not they deserve their nomination and who I think should have been nominated in their place because I have not seen Drive My Car or The Power of the Dog, so I'm not going to get into that right now. There has been some controversy with Denis Villeneuve not being nominated for Best Director for directing Dune. And Dune was nominated for Best Picture, and I think deservedly so. It was worlds better than the 1984 movie Dune directed by David Lynch. And while it wasn't entirely David Lynch's fault that that 1984 movie was so bad, fortunately, I do think Denis Villeneuve did a competent job directing the the remake of Dune or one that was truer to its source material than David Lynch's movie. But do I think he should have been nominated in place of any of these directors? I don't know. I don't think he should have been. I, I don't think you'd replace Kenneth Branagh, Paul Thomas Anderson, or Steven Spielberg in this category. But I'm going to just move on to the next category. And the next category is documentary feature. So I'm really happy to see one of these films get nominated for Best Documentary because one of these films was um, one of my top 10 most favorite movies from 2021. So the nominees are Ascension, Attica, Flea, 
Summer of Soul, or When the Revolution Could Not Be Televised, and Writing with Fire. So I am biased here because of the five nominees, I've only seen one of these nominees. And a lot of times I've been telling you, you know, for the best picture and the best director category, I tell you I haven't seen this movie, but I will in the next month. I don't know if I'm going to see at least three of these films. I will try. If I see them in a theater near me, I will certainly go out of my way to see them. If I could see some of these other films on a streaming service to which I actually subscribe now, like Amazon Prime, for example, I might see them. But I'm very, very happy to see Summer of Soul or When the Revolution Could Not Be Televised nominated for Best Documentary Feature because that deserved that nomination. I still want to know, though, why this footage of this multi-weekend music festival where all the greats of black music, or almost all of the greats of black music in the late 60s congregated to bring this great concert together, why that footage was lost for over 50 years, and why so many people of so many ages and of so many races and ethnicities did not know this existed. I would love to know that, but that, I guess, is another subject for another movie. If I have the pleasure of interviewing the director, uh, Questlove, anytime in the in the near future or in the distant future, maybe I'll bring that up. But anyway, moving on to some other categories. The first uh, category I'm going to just uh, breeze through is the sort the the short subjects. The first one is the documentary for short subject, and the nominees are Audible, Lead Me Home, The Queen of Basketball, Three Songs for Benazir, and When We Were Bullies. Which one is going to win? I have no idea. Which one is the best? I also have no idea because I have not seen any of them. So moving on to the subject of best... Let me try the the other short film uh, for animated. So the nominees are Affairs of the Heart by Joanna Quinn and Les Mills, Bestia by Hugo uh, Caravobias and Tavo Diaz, Box Ballet by Anton Diakov, Robin Robin by Dan Ojari and Mikey Please, and The Windshield Wiper by Alberto Mielgo and Leo Sanchez. Again, I haven't seen any of these films, so I can't tell you what my favorite is, but I will later on. So, short, uh, best short film live action. The nominees are Ala Kachu, Take and Run, The Dress, The Long Goodbye, On My Mind, and Please Hold. Again, I can't tell you what I think the winner should be because I have not seen any of these um, movies. But on to the category of Best International Feature Film. And this used to be called Best Foreign Language Film, but I think they've expanded the category so that the nominees do not necessarily speak a foreign language. And while that has opened up some of the possibilities for an international film to be nominated, largely these films are in a foreign language. So the nominees are Drive My Car, Flee, The Hand of God, 
Lunana, a yak in the classroom, and The Worst Person in the World. These movies come from Japan, Denmark, Italy, Bhutan, and Norway, respectively. And Flea actually made history for being the very first movie, but it probably won't be the last, to be nominated for Best Animated Feature, Best Documentary Feature, and Best International Feature Film. So I do think that Drive My Car probably has the greatest chance of winning in this category because the way it usually works, and this is kind of the way I'm a bit more like Jimmy the Greek than I usually am because a lot of times when I pick the nominees I'm or what I pick, what I think should be the winners, I'm probably right about 50 to 60% of the time, but I always get this one right. The reason that Drive My Car is probably going to win in this category is because Drive My Car is also nominated for Best Picture. And a foreign film that is nominated for Best Picture may not necessarily win the Best Picture award, but they almost always win the Best International Feature Film Award or the category that is the closest to that. So Drive My Car is probably going to win, and that is all the um, that I'm going to say about that. So... Now on to Best Original Score. Um, the nominees for this category are Don't Look Up with the music by Nicholas Bretel, Dune with music by Hans Zimmer, Encanto, music by Germaine Franco, Parallel Mothers, music by Alberto Iglesias, and The Power of the Dog, music by Johnny Greenwood. So for this category, sometimes... The Disney film, in this case Encanto, is the favorite to win Best Original Score. That's usually how it is, especially with Disney animated features. But then again, Dune has a fighting chance of stealing this from Disney. But again, I'm not going to say who's going to win. That's going to be for a later show. Plus, of the five um, nominees, uh, I have not seen two of them. So I really can't make that call. For Best Original Song, the, the nominees are Being, excuse me, Be Alive from King Richard. And this, um, this song was sung by Beyonce. And if Beyonce actually shows up at the Oscars and sings this song, which she's favored to do so, the, the ratings for the Oscars are going to go up. But I'm getting off topic. So, Be Alive from King Richard by Beyonce. Uh, Dos Oraguitas from Encanto, music and lyrics by Lin-Manuel Miranda. Down to Joy from Belfast, music and lyric by Van Morrison. No Time to Die from No Time to Die, music and lyrics by Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connor. And Somehow You Do from Four Good Days, music and lyric by Diane Warren. So this is a pretty tight category because... Diane Warren is one of the is probably the the biggest veteran nominee in this category. She's usually the one who writes the the songs that define movie soundtracks, particularly live action movie soundtracks. But again, Disney usually has the upper hand when it comes to this category. But then again, I have not seen actually, yeah, I haven't seen King Richard or Four Good Days, so I can't really make a valid prediction, but those are the nominees for Best Original Song.
Welcome back to Words on Film, the spoken word show dedicated to moving pictures. I am your host and movie critic, Dan Burke. Now, the Oscar nominees are something I could talk about all day, <laughs> and, and I practically have. But now that we're halfway through the show, let me just get into some of the other uh, important categories. I think, you know, some uh, categories are more equal than others. And I did not get into the screenplay categories. So, for the the award... For best writing, adapted screenplay, i.e. a screenplay that's been adapted from another source material, the nominees are CODA, a screenplay by Sian Heater, Drive My Car, screenplay by Rusaki Hamaguchi and Takamasa Oi, Dune, screenplay by John Spiatz and Denis Villeneuve and Eric Roth, uh, the latter of whom is an Oscar favorite, having written the screenplay for Forrest Gump. The Lost Daughter, written by Maggie Gyllenhaal. And The Power of the Dog, written by Jane Campion. So this is the first, this may be the first time that two women have been nominated for writing the screenplay for in a, an adapted movie uh, in the same year. So... Of these movies, actually, I've only seen one of them. I've only seen Dune. I have not seen Coda, Drive My Car, The Lost Daughter, or The Power of the Dog yet, but I will, so I can't make a valid prediction yet. I've got a lot of movies to catch up on. For Best Original Screenplay, I can already tell you what I don't think should have been nominated, but here it goes. Best Original Screenplay. The nominees are Belfast, written by Kenneth Branagh, Don't Look Up, Screenplay by Adam McKay, story by Adam McKay and David Sirota. King Richard, written by Zach Balin. Licorice Pizza, written by Paul Thomas Anderson. And The Worst Person in the World, written by Askel Vogt and Wachim Trier. So of these movies, I've only seen three out of five of them. That's, That's more than the adapted screenplay. Why Don't Look Up is is nominated, I don't know, but because I didn't like it and several other people had mixed reviews of the screenplay, or uh, yeah, basically of the screenplay, more so than the acting in the movie, I don't think Don't Look Up is going to win, but that's all I can say because I have not seen King Richard or The Worst Person in the World yet, so I really can't make a valid or accurate prediction there. I guess the one last category is not the last category I covered, or rather the, the last category of the um, Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, but it will be the last one I cover for now. The visual effects. The nominees are uh, four best visual effects. Dune, Free Guy, No Time to Die, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, and Spider-Man No Way Home. So of these movies, I've actually seen all five of them. So, but picking one that had the most impressive visual effects, that's going to be difficult because I think probably Dune had the best of the five, but man, we're talking about uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings and Spider-Man No Way Home, both of which were Marvel movies and both of which really did not fail to satisfy moviegoers, especially Spider-Man No Way Home. I was pleasantly surprised by how good that movie was, and the visual effects were quite impressive, but I think this is Dune's category to lose because 
say what you want about the Dune movie, how it wasn't true to the original source material to a T. The visual effects were amazing, and that's really all there is to say about Dune's visual effects. So when I get back, it's going to I'm going to go run through the nominees for um, the worst movies of the year in the 42nd Golden Raspberry Awards. Welcome back to Words on Film, the spoken word show dedicated to moving pictures. I am your host and movie critic, Dan Burke. And now that I've gone through the nominees for potentially the best movies of the year, now I'm going to go through what is believed to be the worst films of the year. And boy, do I have some opinions about this. So I'm talking particularly about the 42nd Golden Raspberry Awards, or the Razzies. These nominees were announced on February 7th, a day before the Oscar nominees were announced, and the ceremony will take place on March 26th, 2022, the night before the Oscars, which is usually when it's taken place. I don't think it took place the night before the Oscars last year, but again, this is always a fun award ceremony to go over, particularly because there are some films that I really think should have been nominated for some raspberries, but weren't. There's one film in particular that was nominated for more Oscars than it deserved, but was nominated for no Golden Raspberries, surprisingly enough. But I will get into that in a moment. I will say, however, that the most nominations at the Razzies was for a movie that I'd never heard of and actually appeared on Netflix. I'll get into that in just a moment. So... The nominees for Worst Picture are Diana the Musical, which is a Netflix original, Infinite, which is a Paramount Plus original, Karen, which was released in theaters, Space Jam A New Legacy, also released in theaters, and The Woman in the Window, which is a Netflix original. Now, The Woman in the Window I didn't think was the absolute worst film of the year, but I could totally see its... um, it's being nominated for being particularly for being a ripoff of the Alfred Hitchcock movie Rear Window. That was my biggest grievance against the film, but I didn't think overall it was terrible. And I also feel the same way about Space Jam a New Legacy. I did not expect this movie to be great. I didn't expect LeBron James to be a great actor, and it was coming after a much beloved film that came out 26 years before it. So I didn't have very high expectations for it, but I also didn't think it was one of the worst films of the year. I thought there were other films that were included in my worst category that I thought were more deserving of this. 
As for the movie Infinis, I have not actually seen this. This was a movie that was directed by Antoine Fuqua and stars Mark Wahlberg, Chiwetel Ejiofor, uh, Jason Mansokas, Rupert Friend, and Toby Jones. So it has a stellar cast, and the director, Antoine Fuqua, has directed such films previously as Training Day, which was an excellent film. He also directed Brooklyn's Finest, Olympus Has Fallen, the latter of which I couldn't stand, Uh, both Equalizer movies with Denzel Washington, which were very good, Southpaw, which was a bit predictable, The Magnificent Seven, which I thought was very good for being a modern Western. So Antoine Fuqua certainly has um, his share of good movies, but other movies have kind of fallen short of being great. But I can't make a judgment about Infinite because I haven't seen it. Diana the Musical, I am very surprised is nominated because it's not technically a movie. It's more of a stage production that was filmed for release on Netflix. But then again, the worst picture winner of last year, according to the Razzies, was Absolute Proof, which was less of a movie. It wasn't even really a documentary. It was Mike Lindell, the creator of My Pillow, sitting at an anchor desk, basically berating the fair elections that took place in 2020 and trying to make his case that Donald Trump won the election. He should be condemned for that, but for worst picture, eh, probably not. But anyway, I don't exactly, I can't exactly tell you what the worst picture of these five is, but I can tell you what it's not. Space Jam and New Legacy, I don't think that was the worst picture, but people took out their knives for this one. So, on to worst director. The nominees are Christopher Ashley for Diana the Musical, Stephen Chabosky for Dear Evan Hansen, Coke Daniels for Karen, Rennie Harlan for The Misfits, not the movie with Clark Gable and Marilyn Monroe that came out literally 60 years ago, and uh, Joe Wright for The Woman in the Window. So of these films, the only one I've actually seen is Dear Evan Hansen, which, like Space Jam and New Legacy, I thought was a film that fell short of greatness. I wouldn't have called it a terrible film, but it certainly paled in comparison to some of the other musicals that came out this year, like Tick, Tick, Boom, the remake of West Side Story, Encanto, and several others. The Misfits is a movie that I completely missed. I think this was a film that came out in theaters, but not on streaming. But we should see it on streaming very shortly. It was released in South Korea, interestingly enough, before it was released in the United States, um, which is kind of interesting. Uh, Pierce Brosnan stars in it along, along with... Rami Jaber, Hermione Corfield, Jamie Chung, Mike D'Angelo, Tim Roth, Nick Cannon, and uh, Kais Kandel. So, yeah, Nick Cannon being in this movie kind of damages its credibility, but I've seen Nick Cannon act in some good films. Was he a good actor in it? No, not particularly, but yeah, him being in a movie is more of a liability than anything. So on to the category of worst actor. Uh, For this category, the nominees are Scott Eastwood for Dangerous, Roe Hartranf for Diana the Musical, where he played Prince Charles, LeBron James for Space Jam A New Legacy, 
Ben Platt for Dear Evan Hansen as Evan Hansen, and Mark Wahlberg in Infinite, where he apparently plays two roles. I didn't realize that. But anyway, uh, of these nominees, again, I haven't seen two out of the five films, but Ben Platt played Evan Hansen in Dear Evan Hansen, and he has the distinction of having originated the role of Evan Hansen in the original Broadway musical. People's biggest grievance against Ben Platt, which I don't think is entirely fair, is that he looked too old to play a high school student. I do think that criticism is valid, but I don't think he's the the worst actor because of that. And I also think LeBron James should get a pass because he hasn't acted in any other movie other than making a few cameos here and there before being in Space Jam A New Legacy. And of all the faults of Space Jam A New Legacy, I think LeBron James can get a bit of a pass. I thought there were other actors that were probably worse in this category, but I'm moving on to Worst Actress. The nominees are Amy Adams for The Woman in the Window, Jeanne DeWall for Diana the Musical, where she played Princess Diana, Megan Fox for Midnight in Switchgrass, Taryn Manning for Karen, and Ruby Rose for Vanquish. Of these movies, Vanquish, well, I haven't seen uh, several of them, but Vanquish is a film that I've never heard of. It was released in theaters on April 16th. It stars Morgan Freeman and Ruby Rose, the latter of whom is nominated in this category. I don't know. I may seek out Vanquish because I always take a chance with, with a movie starring Morgan Freeman even if it is bad. And usually, usually but not always, Morgan Freeman is the the best part of even bad movies. Not always, but most of the time. Megan Fox, I have not seen in Midnight in the Switchgrass, but because it's Megan Fox, her nomination is deserved. I think Megan Fox should just give up acting because she is really bad. She might as well just be a model. She's pretty enough, and you don't have to see her try to emote any kind of feelings when she's a model, or at least not several feelings like she should as an actress. As for Taryn Manning, I do think she's a good actress. She was great um, in the show Orange is the New Black, where she played um, the uh, role of Tiffany Pensatucky Doggett. And the, the more Orange is the New Black went on, the, the better she got in that role. So it is kind of troubling to see her as worst actress. But then again, I've heard some really bad things about the movie Karen. I probably have to see that for myself just to get a bowl of popcorn and just laugh at how stupid it is. But it does sound like a stupid concept. As for Amy Adams, for The Woman in the Window, I guess it's deserved. But she also should have been considered for, actually, she was nominated in another category. But yeah, The Woman in the Window, I think that's pretty well deserved because that was a pretty bad film.
Welcome back to Words on Film, the spoken word show dedicated to moving pictures. I am your host and movie critic, Dan Burke. Continuing with my rundown of the nominees for the worst in film of 2021. Now I'm on to the category of worst supporting actor at the Golden Raspberry Awards, also known as the Razzies. The nominees are Ben Affleck for The Last Duel, Nick Cannon for The Misfits, Mel Gibson for Dangerous, Gareth Keegan for Diana the Musical, and Jared Leto for House of Gucci. So I have to say one thing off the bat. Nick Cannon, just like Megan Fox, one of those people I'm not surprised to see him nominated even though I have not seen the movie The Misfits. It's Nick Cannon, so of course it's he's going to be bad in whatever movie he's in. Jared Leto, I'm also not surprised to see in this category. There are some people who actually argue that he should have been nominated for Best Supporting Actor in House of Gucci. I absolutely disagree with that. Ben Affleck, I did not think was bad in The Last Duel. As a matter of fact, I'm also surprised to see The Last Duel be nominated for absolutely nothing. But Ben Affleck in The Last Duel plays a cad, which is what he is, which therefore is something he's very good at playing. So I actually enjoyed Ben Affleck in The Last Duel, and I don't think he should win in this category. But Nick Cannon and Jared Leto... No surprise there. Jared Leto, because I saw his lame performance, and Nick Cannon, because I've seen enough lame performances from him. As for Mel Gibson, the movie Dangerous, I haven't exactly seen. Though That's the one for which Scott Eastwood was nominated for Worst Actor, but I'll see it just for the fun of it, maybe. On to Worst Supporting Actress. The nominees are Amy Adams for Dear Evan Hansen, Sophia Cookson for Infinite, Aaron Davey for Diana the Musical, Judy Kay for Diana the Musical, where she played two roles as Queen Elizabeth II and Barbara Cartland, and finally, Taryn Manning again for every last one of them. So this must be the first year that two actresses were nominated simultaneously for Worst Actress and Worst Supporting Actress. I have not heard of the film Every Last One of Them. And actually, as I'm looking it up on Wikipedia, there isn't even any poster art for Every Last One of Them. So it makes me kind of wonder who's seen this movie. But Amy Adams for Dear Evan Hansen, yeah, that was kind of deserved. Maybe Julianne Moore too, but definitely Amy Adams. So now on to, actually, this is a special category this year. Get this. This is Worst Performance by Bruce Willis in a 2021 movie. And are there five nominees for this category? No, there are eight. Because apparently Bruce Willis has been in eight different movies in 2021. And according to the Golden Raspberry Committee, he has sucked in every single one of them. Check this out. He's nominated for American Siege, Apex, Cosmic Sin, Deadlock, Fortress, Midnight in the Switchgrass, Out of Death, and Surviving the Game. Now, what's fascinating about this category is not only that Bruce Willis has been in eight films, all of which apparently have sucked, I have not heard of any of these films. The only one I'm vaguely familiar with is uh, Midnight in the Switchgrass, but that is only because uh, somebody else was nominated for this category. Yes, Megan Fox for Worst Actress. But it makes me kind of wonder, why is Bruce Willis who could retire by now and live off his residuals from 
all the Die Hard films, but most especially the first three, and from Pulp Fiction, and some of the movies he was in, which were actually good and modern classics, why he's doing these really second-rate action films. I could also say the same about Liam Neeson, who was in a film that I saw this week, but I'm not going to review for you until next week. But either way, it is funny that there's a category for Bruce Willis. And if Bruce Willis actually shows up to the Golden Raspberry Awards and accepts his award, I will actually have a lot of respect for Bruce Willis for doing that. So on to the next category, worst screen combo. This is another funny one. The nominees are any klutzy cast member and any lamely lyricized or choreographed musical number. This is Diana the Musical, one of its uh, seven, excuse me, nine nominations. (laughs) I got to see Diana the Musical just for that, but let me see this. The next um, uh, nominee in the worst screen combo is LeBron James and any Warner cartoon character or uh, Time Warner product he dribbles on. Space Jam, A New Legacy, Jared Leto, and either his 17-pound latex face, his geeky clothes, or his ridiculous accent for House of Gucci, Ben Platt, and any <laughs> this is funny, Ben Platt and any other character who acts like Platt singing 24-7 is normal for Dear Evan Hansen, and the last nominee is Tom and Jerry for Tom and Jerry. So of all these nominees, I don't think Tom and Jerry uh, should have been nominated for Tom and Jerry. If anything, first of all, I liked the Tom and Jerry movie. It wasn't a perfect film, and it certainly had its weaknesses, Colin Jost. But um, I did actually think the best parts of the movie were when Tom and Jerry were um, playing tricks on one another. And I think if that had been the whole movie, that would have been great. Because that's what makes Tom and Jerry magic. So I don't think Tom and Jerry should have been nominated for this category. I do think that Colin Jost and the woman he was marrying in the film, or Colin Jost and his really bad dad jokes, should have been nominated instead for Tom and Jerry. But that's, you know, if I ran the raspberries. Jared Leto definitely deserved um, this nomination for his ridiculous accent. Uh, LeBron James and I, I guess the Time Warner product, I, I guess that deserved a nomination for Space Jam and New Legacy because I did think that was very shameful product placement on Time Warner's part. He, they also could have nominated anybody who you made, who made you think that they were Danny DeVito or Jim Carrey, but actually weren't for Space Jam and New Legacy, but the Dear Evan Hansen nomination here, Ben Platt and any other character who acts like Platt singing 24-7 is normal is a very good category. I probably would have narrowed that down to Ben Platt and any other character who thinks Ben Platt is a teenager for Dear Evan Hansen. That would have been a more accurate category. So, on to uh, worst prequel, remake, ripoff, or sequel. This is another fun category. The nominees are Karen which the Golden Raspberries um, considers an inadvertent remake of Cruella, Space Jam, A New Legacy, Tom and Jerry, uh, Twist, which is a rap remake of Oliver Twist, and The Woman in the Window, which is a ripoff of Rear Window. Tom and Jerry I don't necessarily think should have been um, nominated in this category because I think it was better than a lot of people gave it credit for being. 
Woman in the Window definitely deserved that. I haven't seen the movie Karen, but what I've heard about it, yeah, it does kind of sound like Cruella. Uh, Space Jam A New Legacy, i probably say, was a bad uh, remake of uh, Space Jam, and it should have been a sequel. But, my God, th- they made a rap uh, remake of, of Oliver Twist? What is this? My gosh. So apparently this movie stars Rafferty Law, Michael Caine, Noel Clark, Lena Hetty, Rita Ora, and Sophia Simnet. Thinking of Michael Caine rapping is just cringeworthy in and of itself, but largely the fact that they made an Oliver Twist uh, version where people rap is just shameful in and of itself. And of course, with an idea that bad that they actually put to film, I have to see this. Apparently, this was released by Sky Cinema on January 29th, 2021, and lo and behold, it met with negative reception from critics. So I could get into movies that I think the Razzies overlooked. Like, for instance, I think Don't Look Down, excuse me, Don't Look Up should have been nominated for something. Because, yeah, it was kind of bad. I probably would have nominated Jonah Hill for Worst Supporting Actor, for example. Also, um, I I guess the idea that the worst on-screen combo is a meteor headed towards Earth and people being apathetic about it for worst on-screen combo, that would have been a, a missed opportunity for a nomination. But overall, I find these categories very entertaining and I hope that you do too as you're listening to me go down this list but it certainly um, makes me want to see some of the bad films that are nominated for raspberries as as well as the great films potentially that are nominated for Oscars so it's always a good time of year to see what's the best films of the year and the worst films of the year and rest assured I have another bucket list of movies that I have to see before either award ceremony goes on. That just about does it for this episode of Words on Film. Words on Film is the spoken word show dedicated to moving pictures, and I am your host and movie critic, Dan Burke, reminding you that the views and opinions expressed on Words on Film about movies or other topics are solely those of your host and movie critic, Dan Burke. They do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of any employees or volunteers who are working at WBCA, or the station as a whole. Until I watch a whole bunch of brand new movies, this is Dan Burke saying I'll see you at the movies.